What's up and welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we will be running through the Masters. Scotty Scheffler wins the 2022 Masters. And then we will be talking about the NBA play-in tournament. We got four massive matchups coming up here before our next podcast. We're going to go over it. And then lastly, it was the opening weekend of Major League Baseball. We will play the game of they are who we thought they were. After four games, let's run the music. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I am your host today, Matt Guest. With me, as always, out there in Las Vegas, rocking his Giannis jersey with me. It is the start of playoff season. Matt, are you ready to start tuning into more basketball? I am. I took a deep dive into how the final standings actually lined up, and I'm really liking where Milwaukee ended the season. Uh, you know, I think <laughs> they the, kind of tanked, yeah. But intentionally, in my eyes, and that's how I would have done it too. Like, if you get that two C where Boston's at right now, you look at possibly facing Brooklyn right away first round so you're almost at a disadvantage of having the two seed being the second best team in your conference obviously and that was terrifying to me about a week and a half looking at that play in opportunity and i was just really hoping milwaukee would finish three they are lined up to play the bulls now much better matchup i think that can get some of the rust off for them coming into the playoffs and be ready for a round two challenge as opposed to brooklyn brooklyn could knock out milwaukee could knock out boston if that had been the case uh, it's going to be a tough fight for for Boston in that first official round after the play-ins. <laughs> yeah, and I saw the internet in uproar. Oh, Milwaukee sold. They didn't want Brooklyn. They weren't about it. Blah, blah, blah. Like, look, they're going to have to play them to win eventually, right? Like, it was the same thing last year. And, yeah, maybe they dodged them. So they could get the Bulls, get a little tune-up. They probably beat the Bulls in five, maybe six. Um and then they'll bring on the next round challenge, man. I think for the first time in a long time, the Eastern Conference is much better than the Western Conference, which bodes well for a team like the Suns and a team like Golden State, which we'll talk to a little bit later. We're going to go over the play in today. But I agree with you, Matt. I kind of liked it. I was like, yeah, sure, lose. And if Boston wants to win and play Brooklyn in the first round, um, more power to them, right? And I'm rooting for Boston, absolutely. Uh, but at the end of the day, as a fan and as you know, a Bucks fan, like I know we don't want it, but I need to see Giannis KD part two in the playoffs again um, because you don't know how many more matchups like this you can have, and that's the beauty in sports. We got to keep getting these matchups, man. So um, I- I'm ready to see it, just not yet. <laughs> Before we get into the play and talking a little bit about the basketball games that are going on this week, we got to give a shout out to the Masters this past weekend. I am the betting one on the podcast. Uh, more We bet, but I bet more. I had some action on the Masters this weekend, and gosh, Matt, it is such an awesome tournament to watch. I probably watch one golf tournament all year, and that would be maybe if the Olympics are on, and then the Masters. Other than that, I'm not going to actually sit down and watch golf. It is kind of boring. And the lady at home, she's not, come on, I I can't just be like, oh, we're going to watch golf today all day on Sunday. It's like, no, that's just not going to happen. Um, but what Scotty Scheffler did out there was incredible. He had a lead basically since Friday. I caught Scotty at plus 160, Matt, 
after the round was over on Friday, he had a five stroke lead. So I, I put a couple hundred bucks on him. I was like, if this guy blows the five, you know, the five stroke lead, it is what it is. But he looked so rock solid and the books were disrespecting him on Friday with a five stroke lead. Can you believe that plus money, dude? I took it, jumped all over it. Well, and I think that just goes to show you how competitive the Masters are year to year and what the books are really translating with their odds is the fact that, you yeah. know, you have five strokes. That's a valid point. You've got two rounds left to play. You've got Saturday. You've got Sunday. We've seen absolute collapses before. And usually coming out of the gates on Friday, it isn't that big of an advantage, right? It's not normally five strokes. It's usually two or three. So right. I think it's a little bit harder for them to gauge that. But as you said, you were able to watch him dial in the fact that he was ready to play. He was playing at an elite level has been all years with kind of the education you gave me before we jumped on today. And yes. I think you're right. I think you just jumped on the books, kind of miscalculating where they were at. Um, and also, you know, look at what Rory did in what was it, what, Sunday's final round where he shot a yeah. 43 or excuse me, a 63 or 64. Yeah, I think it was a 64. I think he finished seven under par, took second, mm, ended up winning yeah. himself like $1.4 million, dude. Went well, off. And think about had he had a, a, a better Saturday. I, again, I didn't look at the overall box scores of each guy each day, but that's where you have the opportunity for Scotty to lose that placement, right? And I think the books oh, usually depend on a guy being hot Saturday, Sunday. But uh, yeah, Rory hasn't been kind of doing anything as of you know the last few years. And I think that was really good for him, good for the sport. Because if he can dial himself back and you need that top end competition, you know, as it stands right now, year to year basis, we see a lot of these guys change position rankings from number one in the world to, you know, number eight in the world. Scotty right now having the number one overall ranking in the world, winning the Masters, uh, I think is is good for the game to have a solidified number one, but you need competition. And I think that kind of leads us into the Tiger Woods performance as well. Yeah, man. Last thing is Scotty's won four of the first six tournaments. I'm pretty sure I could be one off there. First guy since Tiger Woods to do it. First guy in a long time to be that dominant and only at 25 years old. So we have a ton of young talent um, going to what you said with Rory, man. I think Rory's been one of those guys for the longest time where it's like, damn, if just if Rory could just get it together for an entire weekend, all he needs is a master's to win the Grand Slam for his career. Um cool moment was him and Morikawa. They uh, both hold out from the bunker to birdie. They played together in the on Sunday, man. And it was one of the coolest golfing moments you'll ever see. Both shank, both in the sand for their third or fourth shot. Rory goes up, chips it. Matt comes rolling down the hill, nails it. I don't know if you've seen the gif. Rory throws his club and he's like, he's fire. It was fucking sweet, dude. Super sick chipping. Next hitter is Morikawa. They play in twos on Sunday, Matt. This fool literally chips it out of the sand, buries it right after him, and him and Rory go up and hug each. It was just, it's a cool moment, right? And those are the little things that'll get casual golf fans to become a Rory McIlroy fan, right? And become Colin Morikawa the way that we love Tiger. And that was the big reason I wanted to talk about the Masters and saw a lot of slander early on Tiger. I won money on Tiger too, bet on him to make the cut, bet on him to have par better the first day, right? Like Tiger came out swinging. And I truly believe that what Tiger did this weekend is one of the biggest and most amazing pro athlete accomplishments of all time. I know I think he ended up at plus 13 and basically withdrew himself on Sunday. But Matt, what that man did a little over a year from we thought he might be dead. We thought he might have his leg amputated to come out, make the cut, dominate for one day and then end up playing all the way through Sunday, in my opinion, is going to go down as one of the most legendary pro athlete performances of all time from, I mean, our golf icon growing up, Tiger Woods, an unbelievable example 
of human strength, human effort, the will to win, the will to be great. Like he's a fucking legend, dude. I, I can't believe he did what he did this weekend. I'm interested to see moving forward with Tiger's career, how many tournaments he's willing to play in year to year. Um, and can he no get through four full days, four full rounds without having pain, right? Because even before the accident, how many injuries had Tiger occurred, whether it's leg or back or neck, yeah, yeah, where he was hindered and you know he would have to withdraw because of pain. Here we are, as you said, a year later from the accident, dealing with a whole new bag of tricks for him, a whole new injury onset. And of course, there's pain. Uh, I would love to see Tiger be able to go out and at least a couple more tournaments throughout his, you know, what I'm guessing is a shorter career now and actually I mean, he's be able to 50. Correct. 46, I think, is the age, correct? Yeah, he's up there, man. Yeah. Um, he did confirm today, which is Monday the 11th, uh, that he's going to play in at the British Open at St. Andrews. So I don't know when that is. I'm sure it's a few months out. The next major is next month. Um, I think it's the PGA Championship tournament. I, I just <laughs> shows you my golf knowledge, right? The second of four majors on the year is next month, and he's up in the air. I'm sure it's going to take him two weeks to recover. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I agree with you. Age-wise injuries, you know, I think anytime Tiger's in, as you saw, Tiger opened up the weekend, I think, early last week at 100-1 to 1 here in Vegas. The books actually had to recalculate those odds. It dropped down to 40-1. to 1. I got I him at 55, yeah. Yeah, so you kind of it was like on Monday on the sled Monday or two. It was before Thursday, yeah. Well, I mean, those odds, everyone's going to jump on it, right? I mean, hundred to one Hell for Tiger yeah. Woods, like that's it's a no brainer. Ten bucks, hundred bucks, thousand bucks, whatever you're comfortable Hell with. Yeah. If it's extra, you know, change in your pocket. Um, I do think we get one more Masters run, or excuse me, one more you know major run from Tiger. I don't know that he's going to have what it takes to actually win because you've got some guys out here right now that are performing at a very high level. But it's Tiger Woods. You know, he'll he'll end this Cinderella story on something uh, remarkable. Because as you said, he was able to play in this tournament alone. That being a huge feat for humanity in general, right? Showing that you can come back from injuries and and push through with that tenacity and willpower. But I want to see one more big tournament run from Tiger. Uh, that's what I look for. Again, being the icon of our generation, yeah. you want to have he him will. end things on the right note. <laughs> So, Matt, we're wearing our basketball jerseys today. The playoffs are here. Our Milwaukee Bucks are going to be defending their title that we were such a you know integral part of last year on the podcast, of course, right? Um, yeah, I'm super excited for the playoffs. But what we have starting first is the play-in tournament. So, tomorrow, Wednesday, we're going to go over the Wednesday games, the Thursday games, pick who we think is going to make it in as the 7 and 8 for the Eastern and Western Conference to just get it started and rolling, Matt. So the first game is actually a really interesting game, one that I think is going to have even a bigger impact in the Brooklyn series, than my, in my opinion, is the Minnesota Timberwolves, the up-and-coming kids, are playing against the Paul George LA Clippers, the better team in LA. Um, I'm super high beyond high on the Clippers this year, Matt, so high to say as if they do end up coming out is the seven seed. I could see them upsetting in the first round. Like I truly view this Clippers team as a finals contender. Reason being Matt, I think Ty Lue is the most underrated coach in all of basketball. And I also think what they did at the trade deadline, being able to get Norman Powell, being able to get Covington, who I know is a little banged up right now, being able to get that bench in that entire roster fully solidified and dangerous in all places 
makes me think that the Clippers can really go on a run here in the NBA playoffs this year, but they need to beat Minnesota tomorrow to put themselves in a little bit of a better position because I think the Suns really are the last team you want to play if you're a playoff team. Yeah, I don't hate that take from you, Matt. I, um, I'm i a little concerned with them having to play Memphis, being the Clippers, if they do win this game. They go into the seven seed, seven, play, seven seeds, then going to play, obviously, the Grizzlies I just mentioned. Yeah. But John Morant just got back, right? So there's yeah. going to be some rust. You know, maybe the rotational uh, flow of the offense may not be exactly where you want it to, especially starting the playoffs. Yep. But that Grizzlies team is good. They're young. They're hungry. They play together very well. And they, they lift the abilities of each other on the court. I think you're right. I think the veteran presence of Powell, Paul George, some of the other veterans that they have on that team being Covington as well, could easily you know win a six or seven game series. But it's going to be hard. That's the last thing you want to face when you go into the first round as a team that is younger, has more energy, and is running an offense, which they're comfortable in. That, of course, being the question mark that we just brought up. Uh, Clippers, as it stands right now, there's some weird things going on in some of the betting platforms. Some betting platforms are limiting the amount you can place on the Clippers. Uh, I think there's a good chance that you start to see the Clippers make this run that you had just mentioned to. Um, but first round matchup against the Grizzlies, it's going to be a, a great first round, much like the Celtics and Brooklyn will be if they can also make it. Second game of the day is going to be this Brooklyn Nets versus the Cleveland Cavaliers, which should be a really good game. Should have been a good game. Jared Allen's not going to play. Evan Mobley's just coming back. Garland has been healthy and been playing well, but the Cavs have just been struggling lately, bro. They're three and seven, their last 10. Um, They've had a rough two months. Basically, since their best player, Jared Allen, got hurt, it's just, uh, it's been shitty. They they haven't been the same team. Really shows that he was deserving of that all-star bid that he got this year. And um, they're running into the buzzsaw that is the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie's over-unders, 28.5 on points. I think Kevin Durant is up towards 32. Um, Brooklyn's 8.5-point favorites. Man, it's not looking good for the Cavs. So I'm going to take Brooklyn to win the game. But, I, I mean, I, I wish Allen was in. I think if Allen was in, they'd actually have a decent chance at winning. Unfortunately, he's not. So I think Brooklyn runs away with this and plays the Boston Celtics as we were kind of chatting about in the Open. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think this is a, a great showcase for what happens when you have a young and up and coming team. Unlike Memphis, the Cavs are a few years behind them, right? Mobley's for a rookie. Sure. You've got the emergence uh, there of Jared Allen, who I, I do think is a phenomenal player in this league. Garland on and off injury this season. Same thing with Sexton on and off injury this season. Yeah, Sexton uh, they, hasn't played at all this year. He's been out the whole year. The whole year. Basically the, since like the first the third week for, of the season, first game week. wasn't it was it that early yeah it was early early yeah i mean i drafted him in our fantasy league with the hopes oh, that he'd be right. a stat that's stuffer right. and it was like it was literally like the first quarter of like the first game or first three games you might be right actually um okay well with that being said yeah they have absolutely no chance but i think more <laughs> importantly what this means for the the cleveland cavaliers organization is you've built something properly you can move forward now with the same rotational pieces Obviously, I think Sexton needs to be traded, from my opinion. You know, you need to give Garland full control of that backcourt, especially with the idea that they're going to really lean on those big guys with Mobley, obviously being, you know, that emerging rookie. I think yeah. one or two guys added this offseason, you might see a different picture for their playoff chances. They ran into the buzzsaw, though. They're running into Brooklyn, who might be yeah, the, the best team. Yeah, the team no one wants to play. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I, think I don't they're give the them betting favorite to win the whole thing right now. I mean, there's no better, there's no better duo than Kyrie and KD in the NBA. Like that's not much of a debate, right? Like, yeah, we, I think, I think Giannis is better than Kevin Durant, but I don't think Drew Holiday or Middleton are better than Kyrie, right? When, if you're just looking at the best one, two punch, I was hoping 
that James Harden and Joel Embiid would be the better duo. I went on the limb and said that they will be the after this trade. Um, that's just not true. And that's about it, bro. The only other really, really dominant one-two punches are like Devin Booker and Chris Paul or Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. But I mean, I don't even really consider them a one-two. Clay and Steph aren't the same anymore, unfortunately. Well, I think the only way Boston or excuse me, Brooklyn loses is team basketball. You know, Jason Tatum is no not doubt. going to beat Durant and Kyrie. But a team like, you know, Miami or Milwaukee, if you can get five, six, seven great games of team basketball, you can beat these guys. You just have to play great basketball. Yeah, and I think it's absolutely possible, but it's what, what I'm looking forward to throughout this playoff push is what is the team that steps up and actually challenge the, challenges them with that team approach. Uh, that'll be the series to watch. I think probably it is Milwaukee. I wouldn't lean on the Heat being that team because they buckle as well. Uh, outside of that bubble season, you know, when they come to playoffs, they haven't been great. Yeah, we'll see. I, I like the this is this is why. So at the sorry to interrupt you at the beginning of the season when I took Miami to win, I think the fourth seed, and you were like, ah, I don't know, I, I'm not in on Miami. Um, I think you took the net or the the Knicks actually. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, what I liked is they had Kyle Lowry, and I think that pickup has actually paid a ton of dividends for them not being as soft. It is to be determined, a hundred percent. But now it really does solidify on a whole nother tangent here that uh, the LeBron Laker bubble team kind of was a little bit of a fraud because at least Miami got back one year after the shortened season last year, you know, and they're the one seed. So, yeah, um, I mean, tangent there, but <laughs> and this is the thing, man, this is what I will always say about NBA basketball. Regular season doesn't mean shit. Yeah, um, I, I want to <laughs> see I want to see what You're... the heat are. You know, I want to see him against possibly Cleveland, you know, possibly Atlanta. I don't think Charlotte wins. We'll talk about them here in a little yeah, bit. Just, but, yeah, we'll get to them. Yep. Um, I don't believe in the roster construction in Miami, and it's simply because I do not believe in Jimmy Butler. We'll get to them. Let's let's move on to the other games. Let's go to the Eastern Conference game. You just brought up Atlanta plays Charlotte. I think this is a really good game. I'm actually really bummed that one of these teams is for sure not going to make the playoffs. They've been really fun, both of them all season. Trey Young, Matt. Easily the most underrated player in all the NBA. Just to throw that out there for you, Matt. He's by far a top three point guard in the league. He's arguably really can make an argument for the best point guard in the league. I know Atlanta struggled this year, but it has not been because of Trey Young. It hasn't been because of his health. The other guys around him just haven't stepped up and have been injured, Matt. The second best player on the team is uh, Hubert right now, basically. Um, they re-signed uh, Collins. They re-signed Capella. Um, they have all these guys on the team, right? But they just haven't performed to the level that we thought they would last year. And here we are. They're playing with a 9-10 game. But we'll, I will say this, Matt. I do think they're going to beat Charlotte. I think Charlotte can beat them. But I think this is where the cream rises to the top. And I do think Atlanta is going to beat them. I'll get to my second point, but I want to go ahead and let you interject here. Yeah, I think Collins and Capella all season have been a, a, bit, a bit of a letdown. You saw that last year in the postseason, too. It's almost as the offense doesn't really know how to run itself. You have two big guys down low. Obviously, Collins has a little bit of a mid-range jumper. You, you talked about Trey being arguably one of the best point guards in the league, but I feel like there's a big identity issue there in Atlanta. They're missing a key piece. I don't necessarily know what it is. I don't know if it's a shooting guard. I don't know if it's a stretch yeah. forward, uh, but they're missing something. And it's it's probably a guy that can get a bucket when you need to, or Collins and Capella to really step up and be that inside dominant force that you want. Collins really doesn't have the body, right? He has more of the body of a guy that should be that stretch for that stretch power. 
Um, and, I, and I feel like giving that much money to two guys that aren't two, three on your roster across the league, it's kind of a problem. I could see Charlotte winning this game. Um, you know, Trey has him? to have a, I, I'm taking him. Um, Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I think, I think Trey's got to go off for 35 to win this game. And if he does, no problem. Game over. Uh, sure. but Charlotte, Charlotte has something to prove too, and have had a lot of in and out of rotational changes throughout not only this year, but last year. Um, and I think Charlotte might be able to really just squeak this one out. Yeah, I mean, since the pickup of Isaiah Thomas randomly, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of as that veteran presence has, he's played solid for when he's played. But I think what he's done to help out LaMelo Ball has actually been the biggest thing. And LaMelo wasn't like LeVar, right? He was a little cockier as a kid, but he's super good, obviously. Um, he's really taken over, and Miles Bridges, in my opinion, should be in the conversation for most improved player of the year. I don't think he should be the winner, but uh, God, Miles Bridges has had a, a season I wasn't expecting from him. Um, that's for sure. I, I do think Atlanta still pulls this one off. Um, but what, the last thing I'll say about this is you go back to two off seasons ago. Now the bucks have a trade fall through with Bogdanovich, right? And he should have been on Milwaukee. He's the guy Atlanta ends up picking up to be that guy you were talking about, right? To yep. be that second scorer, And he's good. You know, he's good, but he's not that guy, right? Well, and he's I not, think that, he been he's not the guy for, he was either. That's the problem. That's true. He has been hurt. You know, like he, you brought up the great point of like, he comes to Milwaukee. He causes issues with our rotational pieces. And Most I've likely. seen it in Atlanta. Like he's had some nice games, but he was consistent there in Sacramento. He was a Sacramento King, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. And consistently 18, you know, four and six, right? Like just, he was that stretch forward that that could really just put up the jump shots, make, make the play when your lead guy couldn't. And I think that's what you see with this, this kind of organizational switch and how terrible Sacramento's run. He had the opportunity. He had, he was healthy. And now it's been what, two years, I think maybe three years since he signed that contract. He hasn't been yeah, healthy full season. It's been, I mean, well, we were supposed to have him with Drew Holiday, right? Yeah. And yeah. Then they end up keeping DiVincenzo, which they, the, the Bucks, keep DiVincenzo. That ends up not really mattering that much. Mm-hmm. So I think he would have been nice, but he is a tweener, right? And then so yeah. what? Bobby Portis doesn't emerge. And this is why I think Atlanta is going to win, is because I think they beat Cleveland as well. So you pick Charlotte to beat Atlanta. You think Charlotte beats Cleveland, or you think Cleveland hangs on in that game? It all depends if Mobley's presence is felt. Um, I'm taking Charlotte over uh, Atlanta for the simple fact that I think LaMelo Ball brings more to the table as a floor spacer, as a passer, as a scorer than I think Trey okay. Young does. I think Bridges wow. is is that number. I think Bridges is probably this, the best player out of the rest of these guys. Uh, I, I think he's better than Capella. I think he's better than uh, who do we just talk about at Bogdanovich, Powerful? Bogdanovich, yeah. Bogdanovich has shooting forwards. Yeah. Collins, yeah. I think I think Bridges has the ability to be that guy. And again, if Trey doesn't score thirty five, Lamelo's gonna he's gonna be able to put some points on the board with this team. Um, I think Charlotte plays in the first official round of the playoffs. I think they also beat the Cavaliers. That's sick, dude. I mean, I'd be stoked. I, I really do. Um, Mobley not I, being healthy is what does it for me. You know what I mean? Like. He's a rookie. It's not like he's a vet that just, can just yeah, they, lace him up. For me, it's like, yeah, sure, Mobley. It's just the Jared Allen. Like, you can't win a playoff series mm-hmm. in these big games without your all star. Like, it's going to, like, it happens every year in the playoffs. So, you in a must win game, these superstars are going to show up. So, I agree with you on that point for Bridges, right? Because we know Trey's going to be there. Trey might have 45 tomorrow night or in two nights, excuse me. But 
Um, do we know Bogdanovich is going to score 20? Do we know Hubert's going to score 20? Like, is Capella going to have three blocks, 15 rebounds, right? Like, mm-hmm. big question mark. Don't know. And then, Matt, there's the lowly Western Conference, the Spurs and DeJounte Murray, who is fucking sick, dude. Very, very good player. Um, it, it going up against CJ McCollum, the resurgence of the Pelicans. I don't think our boy Zion's going to play, nor do I think it matters, man. The Pelicans are hot. Um, I don't know why this feels like a no-brainer to me. I think the Pelicans are going to smoke them, honestly. I think the Pelicans beat them by 10 points at least. Um, I don't know. Brandon Ingram's been off and on as far as health's concerned. I don't think it matters what McCollum's brought to the table for them. It's really brought that entire team together. They're kind of nice. Um, I, I think they win the game. I really do. It's funny. For years, I mean, my basically my entire childhood being a basketball fan and watching standings, it's always been the Eastern Conference that has the guys in like the eighth seed that are 10 games 100%. under 500. It's always the LeBron never got it done. Da, 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 da. Yeah, That's right? The deal. Like, yeah. And now I look at this final playing game and we have the Spurs at 34 and 46. Excuse me, 34 and 48. And you've got the Pelicans <laughs> at 36 and 46. Like, good God, why is this even allowed? Like, this is where the play in tournament doesn't make sense as much as right. I do like all of this. Right. Um, Pelicans win this game. Uh, unless, you know, Pop can pull some rabbits out of his hat and throw them on the court. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I mean, CJ you never know, dude. Someone gets hot. Ankle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the Sp- they don't have enough for the Spurs. There's just not, there's not anything there, right? Um, and CJ is a proven vet, has been in these kinds of playoff elimination games before, brings that presence. But yeah, Ingram's got to step up, man. You know, he can't be smoking weed before the game. My big thing about Brandon. <laughs> Him and Cody Dude, Bellinger we, hang out when we way lived in OC, too much. Yeah, when we lived in OC, man, that shit, I'd make you watch the Laker games with me when you're like, oh, let's put the, ba- the baseball game on. I'm like, no, no, we're watching the Lakers tonight. And you'd be like, this guy's so fucking high out there. <laughs> couldn't open his goddamn <laughs> eyes was dude so funny, i swear dude. to god he's so like, funny his dealer just, literally went just went to cody bellinger now <laughs> <laughs> dude for real bellinger bellinger doesn't even hide it anymore that's a whole another topic like he everyone knows he's fucking high out there oh my um, god. at least brandon i think brandon ingram that's just kind of how he looks yeah i don't think he's apps actually hot but <laughs> fucking bellinger 100 percent. but dude i actually i love ingram i love the pelicans i actually think if the pelicans win this game I think they might actually upset uh, the Timberwolves and play the Suns first round. Like, I really believe in them that much. The only thing that scares me about the T-Wolves is that little prick fucking Patrick Beverly, my least Mm. favorite player in the NBA. And the reason is being is because he will keep the game close by being an absolute complete douche for entire Mm. four quarters, you know? And the fact whoever has Beverly on their team loves him and then the rest of the world hates him because... He's going to do something to keep them in the game. You already know it. Like whether it's hitting five threes, getting two technicals, like he's going to do something, dude. No, I agree with you. And I I think Towns too has emerged this season, his numbers to start the year and throughout the year, you know, he He has had a good season developing into an elite level presence on the court, whether it's behind the arc, right inside the post. Um, I'm not really ready to comment on whether the T-Wolves and um, (laughs) the Pelicans play each other because in reality, I just don't know who the big is on the Pelicans. It's a big white guy. It's a Valanchunas, yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprised he hasn't been drafted Big motherfucker. Um, But yeah, yeah, I I think ultimately when you talk about the Spurs and the Pelicans, Pelicans have enough to overcome that. Um, Minnesota... Pelicans, I, I really think it's whoever has the best game. It can CJ go out there and not only be that role piece that he was with the Trailblazers, but be the leader we've seen from him this be. season after the trade. He's got to put up 30 points and elevate the ability of everyone around him. 
Do you think if they win that they beat the Timberwolves? No. So moving on to Major League Baseball, Matt, we are going to, I'm going to let you drive this segment Whoa. of we are who we thought they were. <laughs> so uh, we got a couple topics we want to talk about where, I mean, it's been four games. So I did comment on some kid's TikTok who was losing his fucking mind over baseball. And I was like, bro, classic four game take, right? Like the brew, he was talking about the Brewers, worst offense in the team, the worst team in the league. They're so bad. Like, Relax. They'll be okay. They do look horrible, but it's been four games. But who are the teams in the topics that we thought they were? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and to kind of like springboard off what you just said uh, for a numbers basic here for, for some of our listeners, um, in regards to Milwaukee, and this is going to translate to every other team that we talk about here. It's early, it's been four games, but in the Brandon Woodruff start against the Cubs this weekend, he threw 70% of his pitches as fastballs. He got beat up pretty badly. Pitchers traditionally at the beginning of this of the year, whether there's a normal spring training or not, have some things to work through. You've seen that with Garrett Cole. You saw it with Brandon Woodruff. Corbin Burns had a little bit of an issue. Uh, Shane Bieber struggled a little bit. This list goes on and on and on. But some of the things that we want to talk about here in the uh, we thought we know they are who they we thought we, they were. Um, Tampa <laughs> coming out of the gate, right? If I can possibly get it out of my mouth um and playing well finding ways to win wander franco after four games has a 600 batting average pretty our impressive. guy yeah our guy doesn't have a home run yet but he, on base right yeah. driving in runs scoring runs that's the name of the game uh toronto blue jays coming in great as well three and one sean Manaya shut down the yankees yet again tonight in six scoreless innings so um, mad got in some them. trouble, but he is going to own the Yankees for the next three or four years. I'm telling you Good that right now, this is his second start against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Last year was actually his major league debut. This kid dominates the Yankees. Big time for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, personally, I think Manaya will be their number one pitcher all season, even Shout with uh, Gosman. And back to Berrios. You know, he was a guy that struggled mightily. He didn't make it out of the first inning. Wild pitch, <laughs> throwing balls into the third deck. It was bad. Talk about um, a guy who cost me money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Seriously, right? I was so first five him. done, dude. Oh wait. Well, they actually. <laughs> what's crazy about that first five game is they were down seven to nothing and ended up fucking pushing seven seven by the fifth end of the fifth. I could. They pushed, so I got my money back. Couldn't believe it, bro. Mm. I was like, Barrios couldn't have just given up six. Are you yeah. fucking serious, bro? I'm yeah. like, come on. I was like, it's barely, you know, the Rangers. And on that, too, like the Rangers, hey, man, they're going to be fun this year. They might not win a ton, but, dude, I, the Rangers are going to be fun this year, man. Seager looked great. They're going to score a run. So that, that rotation is horrible. Is I literally think we should probably show up to Arlington and try out because um, <laughs> we may have guys. an opportunity. But again, back to the, you know, they are what we thought they were. Texas rotation was a concern of ours. Um, LA Angels, you know, Trout was scratched. I think it was today or yesterday you had told today, me yeah. Otani has not been hitting yet, but had a masterful first performance on the mound, kind of in line with what you and I talked about of an elevated ability from his pitching this season. Houston, you know, you have Verlander who came out and had a really, really good game against Thor. Uh, and Valdez pitched another great game as well. But outside of those, the last thing I want to touch on is just the Cleveland Indians. Uh, they have a kid named Stephen Kwan. Kid hasn't struck an out yet. Hasn't struck an out all the way dating hasn't to these first struck days. an out? Not yet. But listen, even better than that, he has 13 at-bats currently this season. So that's not a huge sample size. Didn't strike it at all in spring either. He is batting 692. How do you spell um, this guy's last name? 
It's K-W-A-N. He's 5'9", 170, Shut 24 up. years old. Kid's electric. Um, oh, and honestly, what position this, does he play? He's going to be an outfielder for them. Center huh. field it has him listed at. Uh, the Guardians coming into the year, I expected them to be an anemic <laughs> offense. They've got some pieces that actually might be able to play. Miles Straw is out there. He was just signed to an extension. They also signed Jose Ramirez to a five-year, $125 million like deal. Him. They're going to play baseball this season. They're not going to hit the home runs, right? Uh, you know, Jose Ramirez might be the guy that puts up 30, 35. But Cleveland's going to be a fun team to watch this year. Kansas City's been able to put up some runs as well. Do they still have Francona? Francona? Terry Francona, yes, they do as their manager. Legend. Um, legend, man. And uh, last, last, last thing I will mention before you jump in and give your take here. Uh, Lucas Giolito did hurt himself early this season. Mm. So he's going to be on the shelf. Uh, Blake Snell, the you know video game podcast favorite here by me, uh, also injured. So some early injuries. Uh, Luis Patino for the Rays, an emerging pitcher this season, also left day's game after a few. I think it was just a few pitches with a latch strain. So baseball, four games, injuries are there, you know, it's been a little bit of fun, but for the most part, the teams that we expected to come out of the gates hot have Milwaukee Brewers offense needs some work, Scary. pitching needs some work. Yeah, the Brewers, uh, I mean, they look like the team who spent the 29th most money in free agency yeah. offensively. Honestly, like that, that is what it is. So, um, you know, that's neither here nor there. The other thing I wanted to touch on that you didn't mention, uh, as well is I think we were a year early on the NL East. So last year we thought the NL East would be by far the best division, um, in baseball, the NL West ended up taking that this year, the Braves, they lost their first game, you know what, whatever it happens, but their lineup looks solid, man. They still look really good. And then the Mets are stepping up and playing a lot better than we both thought they would. So. They look like they'll be pretty competitive all year. And then our Phillies, man. Kyle Schwarber, first AB, puts one to the moon. Harper is, you know, he's playing okay out of the gates, but the pitching's looking okay. Today, I did see their third or shortstop was just throwing the ball into the first row for about three innings. So um, <laughs> they were losing. But then in classic Mets fashion, they're playing the Mets. The Mets blow a four-run lead in the eighth, and the Phillies win. So I think the NL East, is going to be the division this year that's going to really draw our attention. Uh, the Colorado Rockies beating the Dodgers two out of three. We had kind of talked about it like we're going to take the Dodgers because we're not going to not take the Dodgers. And there's going to be a point in time in the season where they go, you know, 25 and five or 30 and six. Like it's going to happen. But at the end of the day, when it comes to these seven or five game series, it's going to be tough for the Dodgers if they can't get that starting pitching together. Um, their offense is going to win them a lot of games this year. They're, they're going to win 100 games. It's going to happen. It's four games. But um, that uh, that pitching staff and their performance in Colorado, I think, is a little foreshadow on what's to come here in the postseason and why I didn't pick them to win the World Series. So um, it's early. This is beyond overreaction Monday. This is overreaction offseason still because <laughs> baseball hasn't started yet. Um, but, man, what an awesome opening weekend. It felt so good to watch some games, man. Yeah, and to kind of comment on the Dodgers, uh, Julio Urias had a really bad start there in Colorado. His velocity Super was bad. down, wasn't really able to locate and command his breaking pitches. The Dodgers came out and said, hey, it's early. We're not really concerned. There's no injury there. But I'm really intrigued to see this after a few small games of sample size. If this continues with the pitching staff, say Urias's velocity does continue to be down, some of these issues at the back end of that rotation with a lack of overall experience continues to progress. 
does that start to open the door for more of an accepted Trevor Bauer return? Um, can they put the, the the foreshadowing of like, hey, we have moral integrity and we don't stand for this back? Uh, and again, we're very early in the season, but as I brought up before the season started, my concern is at the back end of that rotation. And if Urias isn't a top 10, uh, 15 pitcher like he's supposed to be, the Dodgers have serious concerns for when it comes time for post postseason baseball. 100%. Um, and that's what I'm monitoring because you saw the uh, Padres go ahead and acquire Sean Manaya who I'm not very high on, but he went out there and pitched seven no-hit innings, and he's really helped shore up that rotation. You also have Mackenzie Gore in the minor leagues, young, touted prospect, ready to make his emergence. The Dodgers don't have that same kind of depth, and when you're fighting a 162-game season, those th- little things are very, very important. Yeah, and on top of the fighting for 162 games, Matt, we're going on what, four seasons, three seasons, at least two seasons for a lot of these guys like Urias and a lot of these everyday players of playing deep into October, right? And in the COVID year for Urias, like he was basically the reason they won. His pitching was unbelievable coming out of the bullpen for them. Um, Those innings, those games, that time, that stress, like that will catch up on a lot of these guys on the team. So, Hopefully it's not a sign of something to come. Um, like I said, when I opened up this little talking point here is I, I do expect them to win a hundred games. They are going to rip off a month where they lose two, three games. Like it's going to happen. Their bats are going to carry them. Well, and but, just a name to look out for, and this is low tier, you know, we're not a fantasy program, but this is a, a name. I think the Dodgers could bring up and have immediate impact for you. Dodger fans, Bobby Miller college kid. They took in the draft looks really good this spring. I think at some point he might have to come up and stabilize this rotation because, again, we talked about the four or five starters. Um, so they do have a name, right? We've talked about Dustin May also coming back. That's months away. But it's just interesting to see after the first weekend. You never really say in the past three, four, five years, hey, the Dodgers have a hole. They've got a hole this season. Yeah, there last is season, Yeah, last season opening weekend, I think they lost one or two games, but it was like, bro, the they're Dodgers so good. Like stacked. They just played like, they played like shit. You know, they yeah. just played bad. Um, I, I totally agree with you. And then the other team that actually looked really bad too, that I had higher hope for hopes for it's early and they lost today again is the Red Sox. Um, mm. You were spot on uh, with the pitching. It's the pitching has been an issue, but guys like it's, you were kind of spot on in this too. Uh, Trevor story hasn't showed up yet. He's still, he's his brain is still in Colorado. He's not hitting yet. Um, he's not producing offensively the way that they had paid him. It's been four games, but uh, I was disappointed in the Red Sox, man. They they owned Cole early, and they owned whoever pitched day three early, but uh, a couple of disappointing performances by them. But it, it's early, man. It's super early. Last thing, our boy Rodon, baby. Five innings, 12Ks. Yeah. I, think it was, yeah. I think it was like 24 swinging strikes. I mean, dominated. And it was like he's, he's a nasty. guy like for the for the betters out there, like I'm gonna bet on Rodon the first eighty-two games of the season, man. Like first mm. ninety games of the season, you know, like in that first frame, and then be a little bit more you know, weary, right? Because dude, unbelievable. Like no one talked did anyone talk about that? Like, you know, we're we're a sports show, so we don't specifically stick to baseball, but I feel like that wasn't highlighted enough. That signing, like you go ahead and lose your star and your stud from last year. It's like, yeah, no problem. We'll bring in the guy who took second in the Cyan. 
So the problem with it, and to get a little bit deeper into Rodon, the White Sox did not offer him a qualifying offer. Um, up until the last collective bargaining, a qualifying offer, if offered, would essentially allow the team that the free agent is leaving from to acquire draft pick compensation from whatever team signs them. Uh, they didn't even offer it, which means, hey, they may be concerned about an injury. And obviously, Rodon was shut down, did have some shoulder soreness. That was the label last season. Right. That's when his production um, and his IL stint started. So coming into the offseason, the question was, is Carlos Rodon healthy? Giants signed him to this deal. There's a kicker within this deal. I think it's 130 innings, just like Verlander's in Houston. If he hits that, right. he actually has the ability to then opt out of next year. Um, so he's he's playing to perform at a high level and then go out and sign that $200 million deal. So win-win for him, win-win for the Giants. Um, and from all accounts, from spring training and this first performance, he was hitting 98. That shoulder. Yeah, he looked fine. great. Yeah, he, he was just great. tired last year. And who how can you not be? You know, coming back from all those injuries, having a shortened season. Uh, this could be in three months, the signing of the offseason. We could be talking about the Giants, you know, leading this division for the sheer fact that they Again, have Webb yeah. and Rodon, who just can't be hit outside of the first five in your bet today, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean the offense, it, it comes down to some of these things. You if the offense isn't gonna score two runs in five innings, like mm-hmm. I mean what are you going to do? Right? You got well, to score to win these bets. They brought too. up um, Elliot Ramos, a young kid that's performed yeah. very well in the minors. He went two for two in his first two plate appearances. You know that, but they need help. They've got to acquire a bat at some yeah, point. Their lineup in the does suck. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone, thank you so much. We will see you on Thursday. We're going to have a full NBA playoff preview. We're going to jump back into the draft series here to get you ready for the draft here. And it's about three. It'll be three weeks from Thursday. So we'll have some more updates on the NFL draft series and start coming out with our mocks, our picks, all that fun stuff. Um, As always, follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at PitcherBetPod. We will see you Thursday, guys. Later.